Today we begin a new sermon series on the forgotten God, the Holy Spirit. I gotta ask, gotta ask, how many of you are excited about this sermon series? Okay, all right. We're we're a church that's real with one another. How many of you are, I don't know about this. I want you to clap. Oh, give me a break. (laughs) There's like two people going, clap, clap, clap. After everybody's raised their hand, you don't want to be the one that's saying, oh, no, I don't. You know, uh, I'm kind of at this point where I'm going, okay, Lord, um, I know that there's some folks who are going to be a bit nervous and some folks who are going to be a bit kind of weary, you know. And uh, don't quite know where this series is going to go. Um, and that's true. I actually don't quite know where this series is going to go. And I'm not saying this jokingly. But to say, uh, I'm going to try and practice what we're going to be preaching about, which is I'm going to try and listen and be attentive to the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that I don't have, you know, I'm, I, you guys know me by now. I'm not going to get up here on a Sunday morning, open the Bible and go, where are we going, Lord? Oh, this is what we're going to talk. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be prepared, but I'm really wanting to see what the Holy Spirit will do in this sermon series. And I have tons more to say, but I'm going to wait. And, 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 and in the upcoming weeks, we'll say more. As an introductory remark, this is where we begin. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you have just spent three years following him, eating with him, watching him, being amazed at him. And one day, Jesus says this to you. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot see because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Now, what preceded Jesus saying this is that he has just told him, I'm uh, going to be leaving. I'm out of here. I've been with you for three years. I've done all these things. You've seen me up close. You've touched me. You've smelled my breath. You have embraced me. You've done all these things, but I'm going. Jesus goes on, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Put yourself as much as you can in the shoes of the disciples. What are you feeling right about now? What, how are you feeling right about now? By the way, the word helper, many of different English translations. You know, whenever you have many different translations for a word, that's because the English translators couldn't capture in one word the full extent of what that word originally is. So some of your Bibles will say advocate, helper, comforter, encourager, so on and so forth. The Greek word literally is parakaleo. Parakaleo. Para, to call, kaleo, to come alongside. So the Holy Spirit literally is someone who comes alongside to call, to advocate, to help. Parakaleo. We'll, we'll dig into that word more. But, but I, I just, I just want to go on kind of the, the surface of it and go, uh, why does Jesus say you need a helper? Because... 
We need help. We need help. Can I ask you, anybody sitting here, if you're a Christian, do you need help to live the Christian life? Let me ask it again, because I don't think some of you heard. Do you need help to live the Christian life? The answer, yes. That's why Jesus says you need a helper. It's not very, you know, hard, right? It's not very, well, insightful. And then Jesus says in chapter 16, verse 7, but I tell you the truth. Pay attention, is what he's saying. It is to your, say it with me. Say it with me. It is to your advantage that I go away. And I'm sitting there as a disciple. I'm going, I don't think so. I don't think so. You must be mistaken, Jesus. You must, because you know what? If I had the choice between physical, tangible Jesus living, breathing next to me versus some unforeseen person who is Somehow, inside of me, I choose the person right here, right, feel, touch. Anybody like me? Anybody? Yes, yes. I would rather choose Jesus walking with me every day. You know? I mean, it'd be a little annoying, too, at times, you know? we walking around. Jesus going, why are you thinking that? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. It'd be annoying, but it'd be pretty cool, right? Walking next to Jesus. But Jesus says, it is to your advantage. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You need to get this if you don't get anything today. What Jesus is saying here on the Bible's authority is that you have an advantage. You are in a better position. I am in a better position than that person who saw into the eyes of Jesus and heard him speak. Do you believe it? Jesus is saying, what I am going to do when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and does what he does, you have an advantage to that person Feel, touch, eyes of Jesus. Hmm. It is better. Wow. Let me begin here. I'll tell you why this sermon series is so critical. Among other reasons, too. I grew up with half the gospel. I grew up with half the gospel. Okay? Let me show you what that means. I grew up in a, in a pretty solid church that, that taught me that the Christian life was something like this. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He paid the penalty of your sins and the consequences of that, and your eternity is secure. Now go do it. Anybody? Anybody? And man, that preaches really well. That preaches really well. Jesus did all this for you. The least you can do is do these things for Jesus. Go! Here's the Bible. Here are the rules. Go for it. Anybody? And I went for it. I went for it. I was really good at trying. I was really good at striving. Part of it was watching my parents work 12, 14 hours as Korean immigrants. Work ethic, really good at it. I got it. Effort, I got it. Pull yourself by the bootstraps, really good at it. And then I came to realize pretty quickly that there was a massive chasm between what I ought to do and what I was actually doing. Can anybody relate? 
massive chasm between what I, frankly, wanted to do, because these are the things that God asked me to do, and what I was actually doing. And that chasm seemed to grow further, not closer, the harder I tried. And the church that I went to was the kind of church where every Sunday I was reminded how wide the chasm was between what you should do and me sitting there going, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Oh, I can't do that. And would walk away feeling sort of beat up. Now, here's the thing. So you say, okay, then what's the solution? Well, the solution is some people say in the, in, 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 it's out there in the world. Well, I know what the world says the solution is. You just need to go to a bookstore. I walked into Barnes & Nobles recently, and I'm one of those people. I like to wander around in bookstores. Anybody, right, to see kind of what are people reading. And I always automatically find myself in the self-improvement or the self-help section. And here's what the world says, okay? There's two words what the world says in terms of how you can go about doing this thing, and that's called self-help. So, anybody find that an oxymoron? Anybody? Self-help. Let me, let me, let me tell you some, some titles that I saw at Barnes & Nobles, right? Check this out. Actualize your potential. Maybe you want to pick it up and throw it down, you know? <laughs> Visualize your future. I love this one. Unleash your power within, right? And there's the last one. Communicate your destiny. I don't even know what that means. Communicate your destiny, right? I mean, there's a solution out there. And you guys know, turn on the television, right? By the way, I typed self-help and Googled it. 30 million searches. Self-help. Apparently, a lot of people are messed up. And a lot of people are actually making a lot of money selling this stuff. But here's the problem when it comes to Christian life. For me, I don't know if you can relate at all. Maybe like five of you can relate. The Christian life, I'm realizing self-help doesn't work. Do you know why it doesn't work? Two words. Self-help. I'll tell you how it works for me. When the self wants to do what the self wants to do, the self always does what the self wants to do. So even though the self tells the self, don't do that self, because if you do that self, you're going to get yourself into trouble. The self can't help itself from doing what the self wants to do. So even though the self knows if you go down that path, the self is going to inevitably get itself into trouble. The self doesn't have the ability within the self to be able to say no to the self. And amazingly, when we get ourselves into trouble, I rarely cry, self, help. I've never heard anybody who was in trouble cry out, self, help. Have you? We all know self-help doesn't work, right? Now, here's the problem, though. The problem is the Bible says, amazingly, one half of the gospel, Jesus Christ does go to the cross, dies for our sins, pays the penalty and the consequences of our sins, and he sets us free from condemnation and punishment. Romans chapter 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus was condemned on our behalf so that we are no longer condemnable, undisapproved. And that's phenomenal news. The challenge, though, is Easter Monday is followed by dreaded, uh, Easter Sunday is followed by dreaded Monday. See, if Jesus Christ meant that Christian life was you get saved and you're eternally secure, he could have solved this whole dilemma by just taking us right after we got saved. But the reality is, you and me, we got to live this life every day, don't we? Christian life. And you come to church and you hear these amazingly hard, difficult things that we ought to do as Christians. And you go, I can't. 
Self? Ha- I, no. Self is the reason why I got into this trouble. So what do we do? And I don't want to oversimplify it, but if many of us, most of us, grew up in the church that I grew up in, it was literally along the lines of, here's the Bible, Peter. Here are amazing things that Jesus calls you to a disciple. Now go for it. We'll pray for you. We'll encourage you. We'll go for it. Go get them. And that's almost the picture we see God going, that's what I've called you to do. And so here's what happens, among other things. Some of us, we just try harder. We just try the try harder group, anybody here? We just try. It's almost like I take it as a challenge and I go, oh, you don't think I can do this? Okay, what's, what, watch this, right? And I pull myself out of the front and I go, I can't love that. Pray a little more. Can't do that. Try a little harder. And I should come to realize praying a little more, trying a little harder actually doesn't work. This is the reason why some of you are sitting here right now and you look at the way you lived this week and you're just feeling condemned. Not because I'm saying that anybody's saying it. You're just feeling condemned going, I suck. I'm trying my butt off. I'm trying, but I just, some of us, we just give up. We just go, this is as good as it's going to get. My issues, my addictions, my struggles to overcome, my inability to overcome temptation, I just can't. And you know what? So I'm just going to, I'm just going to just, and we had this vicious cycle of sin, feeling bad, repentance, sin feeling bad, cycle over and over again. And we don't know anything about what Jesus said when he said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And then there's some of us who just put on a plasticky smile and become very religious and praise the Lord. God is good all the time, all the time. I know there's very few of you like that in our church because if you're like that, you would be really uncomfortable here in this place. But there are some of you maybe visiting today, that's you. Like, I can't really be real with who I am, so I'm just going to fake it. And if I can just fake it, then people might leave me alone. And then there's a group of us. You know what we do? I can't meet the standard, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to lower the bar. If I can't meet the standard, that standard is going to meet me. And, God forbid, when somebody dares to, because they love you, challenge you and go in, hey, hey, you're a follower of Jesus for crying out loud and truth and love. I want, you know what we do? We go, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't judge me. You don't know me. <laughs> what do we do? We don't respond in humility and saying, what, what? We go, no, 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 no. I've lowered the standard. I've lowered the bar so that I can meet it. Is this the Christian life that God called us to? I'll tell you why I'm preaching this sermon series and where we're going. And I need to actually apologize. You know I need to apologize? Because those of you that have been coming to a new community for more than like four or five years, you know how central this teaching was in the life of our church for years. Because what I'm, what I'm teaching and what I'm going to cover in this series about the Holy Spirit is so central. It is so central because it's part of the gospel. It's so central that there's a part of me that says, God, how could I have neglected this for the last like four or five years? How could I have neglected this for like the last four or five years? And I've just been beating myself up this week as I've been preparing going, God, I cannot believe I've neglected this. Because here's the amazing news. 
Amazing news found throughout the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, is this, and this is the whole gospel, you guys, is that not only did Jesus Christ die for our sins and pay the penalty for our sins, setting us free from sin and its condemnation and its guilt and its punishment, but check this out. Jesus Christ rose from the dead and now lives inside of us to empower us, to enliven us, to strengthen us, and to enable us to live free from the power of sin. Can I say that again? The whole gospel is not only that Jesus Christ died for our sins and paid the penalty, but he rose from the dead and just didn't go anywhere. He rose from the dead and he lives, holy cow, inside of me, inside of you, in the person of the Holy Spirit to enable us to live this Christian life. But we don't believe it. That's why most of you are sitting there going, mm, meh. Let me show you the Bible says. Oh, see, I can only talk. I can only speak. And I've been praying this whole week, and I'm praying this morning, Holy Spirit, you got to do this work. Let's go through some scriptures. Ephesians 1.18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glories and earth in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Is that good news? Well, keep going. First Peter chapter 2, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Holy cow. Do you take that seriously? His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Thank you, Michael. Verse 4, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Are you serious? And escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Are you serious? Ah! Here! Here! The spirit, okay, well, I'm going to try this one more time, one different angle, okay, one different angle. In our church, we believe that the end goal of all things is that God is going to come and renew, restore, heal all things, amen, amen? That the end goal is not we get whisked away to heaven, but that God comes into this world, call it kingdom, the rule and reign of God. He heals, he restores, and he renews everything. I'm going to introduce you to a word. I'm going to introduce you to a word. Jesus talked about this thing in the most vivid way in one occasion more than any others. And it's found in Matthew chapter 19. Verse 28, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, 
When the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne. Everybody, say the word. Palingenesia. Come on, play the game this morning. Ready? Palingenesia. Palingenesia. That word is going to become part of our vocabulary. It's a noun, but as you'll see later, I'm going to use it as a verb. Palingenesia is a Greek technical word used in philosophy, and it literally meant renewal, regenesis. The Greeks believed that the world, society, culture, was constantly going towards disarray and decay. Things were constantly getting worse and worse, not better. And so what would happen is that the world, the entire world, would go through a process of purging, of purifying, of being renewed. Okay? And this would happen over and over again because they believed that the history of the world was cyclical and not linear. So the Greeks believed that all, uh, once in a while, this renewal of all things, palingenesia, regenesis would come, where everything would be reborn, renewed, and remade. What power would have the ability to do that? Did you catch Jesus? When the Son of Man sits on the throne, when the kingdom of God comes on you, when the rule and reign of God is unleashed in the world, everything in all of creation will be renewed. Now, that word appears one other time in the New Testament. And it's found in Titus chapter 3. He, Christ, saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He, Christ, saved us. Watch for it. Watch for it. Watch for it. Through the washing of rebirth and what? Renewal by the Holy Spirit. Oh, watch for it. Whom he poured out on us generously through Christ our Savior. Oh. No, you miss it. You don't get it. What is he saying? He is saying, listen, there is coming a time when the entire universe and all the sin, evil, injustice, and all things is going to be purged, cleansed, renewed. That power is coming where? To us. Are you serious? Palingenesia, all of creation, that, that is coming into your body and soul right now. I see hands in the back raised. I don't think that's, hey, I have a question that's more of Jesus. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. People go, oh, I've been born again, born again. 80s word, praise the Lord, I'm born again. I just, I just made up a song. That's not a song, but 
Praise the Lord, I'm born again. Are you born again? Yes, I'm born again. I'm born again. And we kind of go, born again. Listen to me. Listen to me. When palingenesia comes into your life, you have no choice but to be reborn. Hello, hello. When the Bible says, therefore, the old has gone and the new has come, do you think your old nature has a chance against palingenesia coming into your life? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Do you think your old self, who you are, has a shot at not being reborn, recleansed, and renewed? If the power and the Spirit of God that comes to renew the universe is coming into your... Are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. This is why anybody who thinks that Christianity is moral reformation, oh, I'm a Christian. I become a nicer person. Oh, I become a more kind person. A bit. Christianity is not moral reformation. When palingenesia happens to you, it's called total transformation. You know what this means? This means that if you are a Christian, and if you are a Christian, this thing has happened. The Spirit of God is in your life. Then our lives ought to look radically different from those who do not have the Spirit of God in them. And our gatherings, if the Spirit of God is here, ought to look radically different from gatherings where the Spirit of God Simply put, if palingenesia has happened to you and me, our lives should not make sense. I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I don't want your life to be explainable. My life, the power to which I live and the power with which I live should not make sense to the world that doesn't know the Holy Spirit. The joy that I experience should not make any sense to the world. That does not the Holy Spirit. The peace which resides in my heart should not make any sense to the world. That does not the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Because if Talangenesia has happened to you, and it has if you're a Christian, my joy, my peace, my love is not dependent on the world or the circumstances because it doesn't have its roots in the world or circumstances. If telegenesis has happened to you and to me, and the Spirit of God has entered my body and my soul, then my love ought to look like the first Christians. And people ought to look at you and go, come on, come on, come on. How, how can you love like that? Come on. How can you forgive your enemies like that? Come on. How can you radically pour out your life and say, no, no, come on. Only one explanation. What is it? Palin Genesea. This is why when somebody says as a Christian, I don't think God can change me. Hello! Hello! 
God might not be able to change you if your picture of some Christian life is, i got to pull up by the, my bootstraps and I know my issues and my struggles are. But if the palingenesia has happened to you, there is not a thing in your past that you cannot overcome in Christ. Nothing. So I, wanna, I want us to use this word. I want this to be a part of our vocabulary. When somebody says, I don't know if God can change me. Palingenesia. That's like, stop saying that. Repent. Believe all in the same word. Palin, say it with me. Ready? Palingenesia. One more time. Palingenesia. Is this good news? You know what, though? You know what, though? For a vast majority of us, we have no idea that this has happened. And secondly, we have this incredible reservoir that we are not even appropriating. Because we are living, the Bible says, according to the flesh. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh. Palin. Genesis. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. The cosmic power of God that's going to renew all of creation. All of creation has come into you and has come into me. That's why Peter can make the sweeping statement. You have everything that you need to live the Christian life. By having the Holy Spirit, I've been given all that I need to live. The, how many, is this good news to anybody? Because, you know, if you've been sitting there going, I don't want to live defeated life anymore. Bible says, Palangenesia. If you're sitting there going, I know my life ought to be more. There's got to be more than this. Palangenesia. God, I need to forgive that person because if I don't forgive, it's going to continue, continue, God, affect my soul. Palin, Genesis. Anybody out there who has come this close or perhaps you walked in this morning going, I'm tired of failing in the Christian life. I'm tired of living it half-heartedly. I'm tired of just trying and failing over and over again. The good news of the Bible is you don't have to. Here's a very freeing thing. You ready? I can't live the Christian life. There I said it. I cannot live the Christian life. And God says, you were never supposed to. Hello? The Christian life that God meant was Jesus Christ who lives in me, lives for me, this life through me. Let me say that once more. Jesus Christ who lives in me, lives for me. Listen, the Christian life is so, it's not just stiff. It's impossible. Matter of fact, it's so hard that only one guy managed to pull it off. And he was so good at it that they named it after him. <laughs> is this good news? Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. See? We're gonna, we're, this is the journey. Because many of you are going, Peter, if that's true of my life, my life ought to look radically different than it is now. But how? I know. Good engineer types. But how? Give me the steps. Give me the things I ought to. But how? We'll get there. But before we get there, you need to know who it is that lives inside of you. Now, check this out. If you understand this, then all of a sudden, your Bible reads differently. Do you know that? Look at these verses that gets to this truth. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things. <laughs> Many of us. I can do all things. I can do all. Like the verse ends there. I can do all things. Amen. <laughs> That's some of us this morning. I can do all. Just give me the laws and rules. I can do all things. I'm tough. 
The rest of the verse, say it with me. Loud, ready? Through him who strengthens me. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Oh, here we go again, right? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's like period right there. Like, oh yeah, that reminds me of the church I grew up in. But the rest of the verse, say it with me. For it is God at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Did you catch that? How many of you are sitting there going, you know what? Sometimes I don't even want to love God. Anybody? Guess who gives you the want to? Say it with me. Guess who gives you the want to? God does. God does. God does. That's why some of you are paralyzed in your spiritual life. Like, I don't even want to love God, but you know what? I want to love God, so I got to drum up and muster and fit. Da, 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 da. The Bible says, even your willingness to love God comes from who? Comes from who? God. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Do we need him? Keep going. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any... I worked harder than apparently I'm turning into a pirate I worked harder than any of them you know though say with me say with me though it was not I but the grace of God do you see why some of you are so stinking tired and worn out from your Christian life you're living half the gospel oh and this pastor of yours for the last four years oh goodness like you did, I can do all things. <laughs> Thank you, Darius, for playing along. A couple more, a couple more. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully and mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with what? With all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. <sighs> One more. Jesus, verse, chapter 15, verse 5. I, John chapter 15. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, say it with me, you can do How do you miss this? With, apart from Christ, I can't love my wife. I can't say no to the temptation. I can't give radically and generously. I, I, I can't preach. I can't pray. Apart from Christ, there is not a single thing that I can do. Not one. Not one. There's somebody out there going, but what about... It sounds like you're talking about this let go and let God theology. You know, just let God. Let go. And let, let me tell you something. This is so far from let go and let God 
that I can't even begin to talk about it right now. We'll talk about it more later. Let me just say it this way. The people whose spiritual disciplines are the deepest. In other words, when I see men and women whose prayer lives are just like awesome. Men and women that you go up to and when they pray. You ever been around somebody who prays and you're like, oh, like he knows God. You know what I'm talking about? I guarantee you their approach to life isn't one of pull myself by the bootstraps and I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm going to pray warrior. No. They have learned what it means, the difference between Christ in me life versus self-powered life. People whose disciplines are the richest in terms of devotion, scripture, saturated with scripture, they're not people who go, I'm just disciplined better, so I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and read the Bible for two hours. No, those are the men and women who have learned how to Christ in me. I can't do anything. It is those of us who have yet to learn that and live that that will struggle the most with spiritual disciplines. What we're talking about, church, for the next couple of weeks, and I'm almost done here, is a completely, please understand, this is a completely different approach to the Christian life. This isn't one of, oh, it's a nice sermon series on the Holy Spirit, so we'll learn about the Holy Spirit, just like we learn about other things. No, we're talking about fundamentally, foundationally, if you do not understand that the Christian life entails the life of Christ who lives in me, living through me, this life for me, I have zero chance of living it. Do you get that? We're talking about a revolutionary, hello, word I haven't used in a while, a paradigm shift about how we approach the life from, God, thank you very much for saving me from the penalty of my sins. I got it from here. Once in a while, you know what we think the Christian life is? We think it's like tag team wrestling. I got it, Jesus! Superplex! How about devil with the fight in the world? Oh my gosh, I'm tired. Come on, tag, tag. That's what we think. That's why when we hear Footprints poem, we go, oh, Footprints. If you don't know what Footprints are, Google is your friend. Footprints poem. Footprints poem that was written in our mugs and all this. Footprints essentially said something like, you know, it's a story of a person who sees their life in front of them and they see two sets of footprints and then during the hardest time, they only one set of footprints and they ask Jesus, Jesus, where were you during my most difficult footprint, difficult time? And Jesus says, child, that's when I carried you. We're like, oh. Hey, that was me too in college, all right? I, I love that stuff. I ate it up and I like make copies of it and hand it out to people. Footprints, <laughs> memorize it, get rid of it. Footprints. When we're going through really hard time, you know what? Hello, half the gospel. You know why? Because there's not a single day, moment of our lives when we are doing it alone. It is always one set of footprints. That is Jesus. Always, always, always. If you just need Jesus to co-pilot when the skies are gray, you're going to crash and burn in clear weather. Some of you right now are living on your own strength, own ability, own talents. I got it. And you're kind of going, when the hard times, Jesus, dad, when the hard times come, will you care? Jesus says, do you know that right now, step by step, moment by moment, you can do nothing. 
Can I illustrate this to you? <sighs> Some of you have been coming to New Community for a while. You know where I'm going with this. I'll show you what this is like. I introduce you to the Tupperware Gospel. I need some help with scriptures. It's like a game show, right? Here's what the Bible says. Just, just an illustration, that's all. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Oh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, I'm sorry. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the earth, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So here is you. And the Bible says that before Christ, where were you? You were what? In sin. So there you go. Now, you got to understand what this is, okay? Can you guys see over there? Can you guys see over there? Okay. What this means is that we weren't sinners just because we sinned, but we sin because we are by nature, what? Sinners. We are held in bondage to decay. We are in Adam. We're in Satan. A number of words the Bible uses. But this is where we were. Uncapable, incapable of knowing God, loving God, hostile to God, enemies of God. This is where we were. Now, was there anything that you and I could do to get out of this? Answer? Now, what the Bible says is this, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. So what does Christ do? Out of grace and mercy, he calls us. Out of grace and mercy, he calls us. Not when we're looking for him, not when we're searching him, because we are in sin, living in sin. He calls us out of love. And he, what does he do? He goes to the cross, and he pays the penalty for our sins and sets us free so that now we can have redemption. Rebels can be reconciled to God. Sinners can be forgiven. So God takes us out of the dominion of darkness. And what does he do? He brings us into the kingdom of the Son. He loves. This right here, this right here is what I preach on all the time, the gospel. Where are you? Say it with me. Where are you? In Christ. Where are you? In. Check this out. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Count yourselves dead to sin. Dead to sin. No longer there, but Alive to God, where? In Christ Jesus. This is what I constantly talk about when I say, although we are more wicked and sinful than we dare believe, in Christ we are more accepted, more loved, more cherished, more valued than we dare hope at the same time. This is you in Christ. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? You are in Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in where? Let me ask you something. Are you secure? Class, are you secure? Does this change because you had a bad Saturday and a good Monday? Is the determining factor of this what you did 
less today, what you do today, and what you do tomorrow? Answer, no. You are what? In Christ. Now, check this out. The New Testament says over and over and over again, unless you know this, you do not know the Christian life. Give you some examples. And you feel free to clap, cheer, hallelujah, whatever you want to, as we go over these powerful truths. Look at all these things that are true of you. In Christ, I am God's possession, child, workmanship, friend, temple, vessel, co-laborer, ambassador, chosen, beloved. It doesn't stop there. In Christ, I have been set free from sin and condemnation, set free from Satan's control, set free from Satan's kingdom, chosen before the foundation of the world, predestined to be like Jesus, forgiven of all my sins, washed in the blood of the Lamb, given the Holy Spirit, adopted into the family of God, justified freely by His grace, given all things for life of godliness, authority over the power of enemy, and access to God. Is this good news? It doesn't stop there. In Christ, I am, check this out, complete in him, free forever from sin's power, loved eternally, eternally kept in the palm of his hand, not condemned, one with the Lord, quickened by his mighty power, seated in the heavenly places, hidden with Christ in God, protected from the evil one, kept by the power of God, secure in Christ, set on a rock, more than a conqueror, a victor, healed by his stripes, sheltered under his wings. Is that good news? It doesn't end there. In Christ, I have access to the Father, a living hope, an anchor to my soul, a hope that is sure and steadfast, a power to witness, the mind of Christ, boldness and access, peace with God. In Christ, it doesn't end there. I can do all things through Christ. Find mercy and grace in times of need. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Quench all the fiery darts. Defeat and overcome the enemy. Tread Satan underfoot. There's one more. In Christ, I cannot be separated from God's love, be lost or perish, be moved, be taken out of my Father's hand, be charged or accused, I cannot be condemned. This, this, this is who, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. Oh my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine what our lives would look like if we believed this? Now, listen, listen, listen. Many of you said, they're going, Peter, I know those verses. I've heard those things. The Holy Spirit's job is to take these truths and make it come alive. It's one thing to know that honey is sweet. It's another thing to... It's one thing to know that Jesus is the living water that quenches our thirst. It's another thing to... Excuse me. You are the living water. You are. It's another thing for the Holy Spirit to come, grab you by your soul, and go drink. Child, drink. Drink. I will. (laughs) 
It's one thing. (coughs) It's one thing to know all these truths. It's another thing. And the Holy Spirit, oh, child of God, oh, my heart just, it's another thing for the Holy Spirit to come and make these truths come alive in you. And you move from God, yeah, I know, to God, I know that I know that I know. This is powerful in and of itself, isn't it? But you know what else the Bible says? We're done with this. Check this out. Not only are you in Christ, Colossians chapter 1. Can I see that verse, please? I have become its servant, gospel, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but it is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is what? Christ in you. The hope. So Christ is in you. You are in Christ. And Christ in you, and you in Christ, and Christ is in Oh my goodness. Here's where we're going. Peter, how does it how does the ministry of the Holy Spirit and this is what we're going for next week how does the ministry of the Holy Spirit then come Peter and do this unbelievable thing unbelievable thing there's three words I want to leave with you awareness, acknowledge, appropriate say it with me, ready awareness, acknowledge appropriate, the journey for most of us on this is this the journey for most of us is if you are a child of God, Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says If you are a child, if the Spirit of God is in you, then you are a child of God. In other words, if you are a Christian, it's not a matter of if. The Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, Palangenesia has happened. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And the journey for us, and we'll talk about it, we'll flesh it out, is becoming aware, aware of his work, aware of his ministry. And when you become aware and when you, know, when you know what to look for and when to look for it, all of a sudden you realize that the Holy Spirit, we don't have to wait for him. He's waiting on us. Holy Spirit is waiting on us. And awareness we're going to learn how to be aware of this person. Secondly, acknowledge and appropriate. What do I mean? Let me teach you breathing exercise. Ready? Breathe in. <gasps> I can't. Ready? <gasps> I can't. Say it. Ready? <gasps> I can't. Say one time. Ready? <gasps> I can't. And then breathe out. <gasps> but you can. Ready? <gasps> but you can. Ready? <gasps> I can't. Breathe out. Oh, you can. One more time, ready? I can't. Breathe out. So, tomorrow, when you got that temptation that's coming around the corner and you come in, right? Breathe in. I can't. Acknowledge. 
God, I don't have within me my own ability to overcome this temptation. I don't have it on my own strength, God, to overcome this. So <gasps> I acknowledge I can't. I breathe. I can't. I can't do it. But you can. You, who Hebrew says was tempted in every way, but was without sin, you live inside of me. So I appropriate. That is in faith. I yield. I yield, God, and I surrender. I die to self-effort. I yield and I surrender. And I appropriate the life and the power of Christ in me to overcome this temptation. Help me, God. <gasps> I can't, God. I pause. <sighs> but you can. That person you can't love? I'm going to try. No. <gasps> I can't. I can't love my roommate. I can't love my wife. I can't love my husband. I can't love these people around me. I can't love the broken, the marginalized. <gasps> can't, God. I can't. But you can. You were perfect love. And you live inside of me. I can't. I die to self-effort. I die to pull myself bootstraps. I die to that. I appropriate. I yield and I surrender and I appropriate the life of Christ in me. To help me to love this person. Trials, difficulties. <gasps> I can't do it, God. I can't endure it. <gasps> I don't have the patience. <gasps> I don't have the love. I don't have the strength, God. <gasps> I can't do it, God. <sighs> but you endured all things. And you live inside of me. <sighs> and I healed. And I surrender. And in faith, I appropriate the life of Christ to endure it. God, I can't preach this sermon in a way that it will transform lives. But you, Holy Spirit, are the perfect teacher to it. Oh, God, I don't have the ability to love those around me. We're a pain in the rear end. <sighs> but you can. I appropriate, I yield, and I surrender. How many of you would like this life? Stand up if you would like this life. We're going to do it right now. You don't have to do it really loud. Right where you are. Breathe in, breathe in, breathe in. <gasps> breathe out. <sighs> Think about something that stands as an impossible, difficult, hard thing in your life. Think about something that scares you. Think about something that's so daunting that you're going, God, there's no possible way. Think about something that leaves you paralyzed in fear. Think about something that you're going, God, I don't have the resources. Think about something you say, God, I don't have the manpower. Think about something in your life that you're saying, God, there's no way that I can. Right now, breathe in. <gasps> say, I can't. I can't. Breathe out. <sighs> but you can. Breathe in. <gasps> I can't. Breathe out. You can. And ask God. 
Ask God, child of God, to appropriate and increase your faith. Everything that you need lives inside of you to enable you to do that which you and I have no shot of doing. (gasps) I can't. But you can. (gasps) I can't.